Hey Outlaws, welcome to this week's episode. Today's going to be super cozy because we have our first guest of the season. And I feel like this is just the most perfect episode to kind of gently lead us into autumn, um, gently lead us into September and all the coziness that hopefully is coming your way. So we also have our first kind of a recurring or repeat guest on the show today, which is really exciting. And today I'm sitting down with Ali Brown Grammar. And we are going to be having a very casual conversation with you all. Um, this is a little bit of a longer episode. I did debate on whether or not to split it into two parts, but I decided that you're all are more than welcome to pause and listen to one half and come back and revisit. Um, there is a kind of natural pause in this episode. So um, look out for that if you need to pause and come back and listen to the second half. But I do recommend listening in because we are going to be covering a lot of ground. So Ali's pronouns are she, her. And today we'll be having a really cozy chat with you about the journeys that we've been on since becoming friends, online friends, in 2020. Ali was on Entrepreneurial Outlaws back in episode 23, which was like the early part of 2021. And as I shared during that conversation, she introduced me to cycle-led living. And that completely transformed the way I run my business and ultimately even how we now produce this show because we have started to produce the show in cycles to really help me tap into my creativity, to also allow me to um, essentially kind of plan ahead and really give myself the space I need to create. So Ali is a self-taught painter and colorist whose style is heavily inspired by her inner child's playful and rebellious energy. She makes art to bring joy and empowerment to herself and others. Not only does Ali create her work intuitively, but she also lives a cycle-led life and is a compassionate guide to other menstruating creatives. Despite living thousands of miles apart, we stay connected online and regularly chat about business and books and yes, our menstrual cycles. And we thought it would be really, really great to just invite you all into one of these conversations. So essentially, the way we've been describing this is it's like our Voxer messages, but we are doing it in real time and pressing record and sharing this with you. So we cover a lot in today's episode and we have a really gentle conversation about life and business and creativity and TikTok and what we're really loving. So Outlaw, grab your cozy essentials and join Ali and I as we sit down to talk about our journeys with Cycle Dead Living, Becoming Artists and TikTok. You're listening to Entrepreneurial Outlaws, a podcast for creatives, introverts, empaths, and spiritual folks. Each week, we'll sit down and have the honest, transparent, and sometimes messy 
conversations about what it takes to build and grow a successful and fulfilling soul-aligned business on your own terms. Here at Entrepreneurial Outlaws, we advocate for building a business that serves your lifestyle, inspiring you to rewrite the usual business rules and take action through creativity and self-inquiry. We'll encourage and gently challenge you to dig deeper into what makes you and your business unique. And I'm your host, Melanie Knights, a fat positive artist, self-published author, and advocate for breaking the rules. I'm here to help you divulge from hustle culture, unpack the bro marketing strategies and bust those entrepreneurial myths that lead us to overthink our business decisions and continue playing small. Together, we are paving the way for new normal in online business. So are you ready to break the rules and become an entrepreneurial outlaw? Let's do this. Ali, welcome back to the show. Thank you for having me back. I'm excited to be here. Yes, I'm so excited to sit down and chat with you today and just have this like very casual, cozy conversation. Um, as I mentioned in the intro, I feel like this is going to be really fun because I know we're going to probably talk about lots of different things as we do normally. <laughs> and I'm excited to essentially press record on a Voxer message. <laughs> <laughs> a boxer message essentially you know when we go back and forth yeah so before we get into kind of all the casual and conversations that we want to cover today um as you know the theme for this season of entrepreneurial outlaws is entrepreneurial burnout because we are in the season of finish strong marketing and you know finish strong you still have time you can still achieve those goals if you really try um all the whilst same time everyone's talking about holiday promotions and also getting ready for the next year it's just it's a lot um and and this time of year I, I find that personal life tends to get quite busy as well and inevitably we end up neglecting what we need So I want to just start by kind of checking in with you and asking you what your soul needs during this season. Mm, I love that. Okay. I'm quite surprised by myself this summer, actually, because normally the summer, I feel like for a lot of people is a time where you're wanting to rest and take breaks from work and be more playful and adventurous. Um. And I've never really resonated with that. (laughs) Um, I feel like summer for me has always been a time where I just want to like kind of stay inside. Maybe that's because I live in Florida, so it's hot as heck outside. And it's (laughs) like our winter here. (laughs) But um, Mm. I've been feeling like I do want to be more playful and connecting with others right now and spending time with my family. So I've been kind of, um, I guess not neglecting work, but I just haven't prioritized my work and my businesses during this season. And that has been totally okay with me. It's interesting, isn't it? Because, you know, I mean, here in the UK, it is nowhere near as hot as it is in (laughs) Florida, but I do not enjoy hot weather. So for Mm. me, the one thing I really look forward to, and so just FYI, everybody listening, we are recording this in the summer. Um, in the summer, I, I tend to look forward to, you know, school finishing for Grayson because that means I get to have slightly lazier days mm-hmm. <laughs> in terms of not having to be somewhere. 
by quarter to nine every morning. And so my schedule then tends to kind of, the schedule loosens, my plans are not so rigid, I kind of work whenever I feel like it. And I do feel like that presents itself with a very gentle way of working. Yeah. And of course, at the same time, come September, I feel a little bit like I shouldn't have done that because now I've got to try and get back into a kind of routine because there is a reality that I have to kind of have to get back into routine because I have to get this little person to school. Um, And I definitely, it's funny because then when we were in the pandemic and lockdown and at home, I hated being at home. (laughs) So it's, (laughs) it's, it's, it's really interesting to look at that. But I know what you mean. I feel like I want to be slower in the summer. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I definitely feel like in the autumn, I want, I, I essentially, especially the first couple of months, like September, October, I really like to kind of pick up. But that's why it can be so easy to fall into that finish strong marketing or deciding that I'm going to try and do everything that I didn't do this year in two months. Ugh, which yeah. It's not healthy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that isn't going to happen. Yeah. So you are a returning guest and I think we can both agree that since you were last on the show, which was, I looked back and it was like March, 2021, which I didn't realize it was so long ago. Mm -hmm. So much has changed in both Mm. of our businesses. But what's also really interesting, and that's one of the reasons why we wanted to have this conversation with you all is how we've been on such similar paths. Um, I think it's mm-hmm. it's really, really interesting to me. What are your thoughts about this? Yeah, I'm trying to like pinpoint when our paths became so similar. I don't know when it was, but I, I know what you mean. I know like you um, launched your membership. I had launched a membership. We kind of went through those motions and explored that. Um, and then now here we are pursuing art and TikTok and just really going out there doing something totally different than I was doing and probably you were doing at the beginning of 2020. Um, It's pretty wild, but I I love that we are on such similar paths and we have that connection and thing we can um, relate together on and talk about. It's, it's nice. I feel like we're not the only ones either. I'm sure that there are so many people out there. Maybe it's not art, but I feel like they're on a somewhat similar path where they're experiencing a lot of the same feelings we are. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I've seen a lot of, I'd actually forgotten about the memberships. It's funny because as you said that, (laughs) I was like, isn't that interesting that we kind of, so my membership was the Outlaw Collective, um, yours being Rebel Rhythm Society. Mm-hmm. And then I guess what I find really interesting is you would send me a box a message and be like, I'm going to do this with my business. And I'd be like, this is exactly what I've been thinking about doing. <laughs> and it would be really funny because you'd, you'd say to me, I'm going to do this on Patreon. And I'd be just like, I want to go on Patreon. And like, by the time this airs, I will have Patreon all set up. Um, <laughs> but it is really interesting how we've kind of gone back and forth. And I, and I don't remember um, exactly when, but I remember kind of seeing that you had picked up a paintbrush and canvases and that you were um, 
I was going to say arting. That is not what I meant. Painting. That's the word. (laughs) (laughs) You were painting. And at the same time, or around the same time, I was getting back into drawing. And, you know, our our art is very, very different, like visually. Um, But that's what's so great about it. And that's what I love about art anyway. But, Mm -hmm. yeah, I, I think that now we're on these, like, again, similar paths. Looks very different, but similar paths. And we said that we're both working on our art at the moment, but I'm so curious to know what exactly you're working on right now. Yeah. um, So kind of like you said earlier on about not having a very rigid schedule or plan for work and business, that's kind of where I am. I feel like I'm just kind of taking it day by day. I still feel like a very new artist and this year for me um I really just want to explore the different ways I can share and sell my art um I have an Etsy shop so like I feel like I explored that the first part of this year and part of the end of last year um not sure how I feel about that like it's great. It's fun. But Etsy and selling work online is hard. (laughs) Um, It takes a lot of work and a lot of online presence and social media. Um, Next up, I'd really like to explore selling my work locally at a market, um, which there's lots here in the area I live in. So I've been trying to slowly build up my inventory to do that. Um, maybe this fall, but again, it's like painting when I can, I still have my five-year-old daughter at home with me. And if I get out the paint, she's going to want to paint. So I rarely ever paint (laughs) with her around. So I only get to do it so much. Um, but other than painting, I, I do still, um, have a very small community on Patreon where we do still talk about, business and creativity and um, cyclical living. And then I make money via virtual assisting. So I'm not going to like hide that behind the curtains. That's, that's how I'm making my money right now. So um, that takes up a lot of my time as well. Yeah. So um, I think I've mentioned this before on the show, but again, similar, you know, being transparent. So I freelance, as you know, um, for uh an agency and I do content marketing and and things like that so yeah I think that's the thing like in an ideal world and my vision is that I can one day become a full-time podcaster and full-time artist but that's not where I'm at right now like I understand that and especially because I don't have because I don't want to be quote famous online for the work I do Mm -hmm. like that terrifies me therefore it's going to you know I'm not going to suddenly go viral at least I don't think I'm going to (laughs) um and my artwork tends to piss some people off so there's a good chance I won't but at the same time I think it's really it's really interesting when you start to take on this kind of this part of a career where you're having to create something. And I know that that sounds silly because if you're a coach, 
you know, you have to give up time to do your coaching or you give time to your clients for coaching. And I was thinking about just this, just this week is that I don't think I realized the, I don't want to say balance, but I'm going to use that word for now. The, the fine art of balancing drawing and spending time on my art because I go through these moments where I'm like, this is what I'm going to work on. And it will just come, come together really quickly. And then I have periods of time where I just feel like I, everything's shit, I'm shit. And I don't know what I'm creating right now. (laughs) And that can be very draining because Mm. you want to create something. And I am primarily right now selling online. And I don't, because it's different to selling a service where you can just kind of essentially switch it on and off whenever you want to, because you're in full control of my time. Like, here's my schedule. I have these slots available. You can book them. With art or anything like that, you've got to create it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And like, I knew that, but I didn't necessarily think about the first creation was fine because everything was working towards that. But like, as soon as you've created one thing, you've got to move on to the next thing. Yeah. (laughs) And I find, I personally find that very hard, like right now thinking about what I want to create in the autumn. So I'm like super cozy and really want to draw all these autumnal things. Um, But I'm also finding that very hard when it's really hot outside. Mm. And it's, it's really, really interesting because I feel like, at least I feel like I have to be kind of ahead of everything. Like it's really tapping into trends, which I'm not used to. And that feels really um, different compared to when I was working kind of in coaching or mentoring before. Yeah, I can relate to that because like Pride Month, I'm like, oh, I wish I created something for Pride Month, a sticker or yeah. something like that would have been so fun. But I'm just not thinking ahead like you like I'm not used to that until the time is here and I'm like well I'm not going to rush around and create something half-assed like I'm just I'm not going to do that to people um so yeah that is a learning curve I'm hoping to learn how to do that because (laughs) I think that um I love when I see other artists creating things with the seasons or even with the holidays or whatever. Um, so I'm with you there. Yeah. Had the exact same thought for pride. I was <laughs> like, Oh, well that that's been and gone. And, and I think that's the thing for me, it's like shifting my, my brain into this place where I'm having to think ahead, which I haven't done for such a long time. And it's not necessarily pressure filled, but it's making that decision. Now, do I want to do this? And yeah, trying to recognize, okay, well, if I, you know, if I create autumn sticker sheets, do I then want to create winter sticker sheets? And like, what does that look like? And do I want to be doing this every season or every, and I guess that then just leads me into lots more questions. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, now I need to take a nap. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot. So, Okay. Where did your creative journey start? Like, was there a defining moment last year? Oh, yeah. Um, very defining moment. It was September that I bought supplies, like paints and brushes mm-hmm. and paper and all that, and decided that I'm going to start painting. And I've 
done this um, where I've bought supplies and told myself I'm going to start painting several times over the last several years. And I just never stuck with it or found the time for it. I didn't prioritize it. But there was just something about the way I was feeling at the end of last summer that I knew I had to do this. And I wanted it like more than I ever wanted it before. And I was like, I need to prioritize this. So I think I was painting like once or twice a week last September and October and just really practicing and trying different things. So that was my defining moment. And um, I think pretty early on, I knew like, okay, I'm really enjoying this. I put some stuff up on Etsy at the end of November and sold some things. And it felt so good that people were finding something from my art, whether it was joy or inspiration or whatever, they were enjoying it enough to buy it. And that felt really good. So, um, and it feels good to create it. So that was, I guess, my defining moment. And you said that you previously hadn't really made the time for it. Um, Mm -hmm. What kind of shifted the allowed you to make the time for it yeah okay yeah that's a great question because again like I said I think the end of last summer I was feeling very burned out and tired of online business um and kind of just like needing feeling the need to do something totally different I've been doing some sort of online business (laughs) Um, gosh, I mean, I started as a photographer in 2010, which yes, it's like photographing people right in front of me, but a lot of it is also online, um, sharing your work online and social media and stuff. So since then, really, I've had some sort of business that had an online presence and, um, 2020 was a decent year business-wise. I felt like people really needed cycle alignment at that time, which is what I was teaching. And then it just felt like I was just always having to try so hard to have a successful business. It's exhausting. You're having to just try new things constantly because social media is always changing and what people need is always changing. What people want is always changing. And I just think by the end of The summer last year, I was just burnt out, which, again, was really frustrating because I'm very aware of my energy and um, I felt like I was good at taking the rest I needed and creating a business that supported my ebbs and flows, but obviously not enough (laughs) because I was still Mm. feeling burned out. And I think, again, that just, that was because I had spent so many years trying to have a successful online business and still was struggling. And I was just feeling defeated and burned out and feeling this need to do something totally different and not like anything I've done before. Unsurprisingly, I can very much relate to this. Um, 2020 was my best year in business, which feels (laughs) surreal because that wasn't you know if you'd asked me that in March of 2020 I was freaking out 
and thought everything was going to fall apart and it didn't. And then 2021 came along and I was like, oh, okay, last year didn't really, mentally it was exhausting, but my business didn't struggle. But then 2021 happened and things totally changed. Mm-hmm. Um, I lost clients. I've talked about that on the show before. And I found myself really struggling to figure out what was going to be next for my business. And I was absolutely burnt out at the end of 2020. And I caught, my family caught COVID and was really sick. And that was when I started to make intentional changes, but I still found myself, I've still found myself burnt out since then. And, you know, I think, I think that's being introduced to cycle alignment, which you introduced me to and having kind of dove into using the lunar cycle in particular for myself and really recognizing that ebb and flow of my energy, I still burn out, but I think I'm able to recognize it a lot sooner. Mm-hmm. And I try not to push through it because I can sense you know, if I'm walking around and my shoulders are hunched and my my jaw is clenched and I'm maybe just being a horrible person to live with right now and I can think to myself, what is going on? And it's actually usually that I'm burnt out because my, burn, my burnout tends to show up in this like fear and anxiety and scarcity in terms of what I'm doing isn't enough and I need to do more and I should be doing this and, and that kind of infiltrates into different areas of my life not just in business but it can be you know in my body or like in my health and it's I kind of just become very hard on myself and I think when those thoughts come up I'm able to recognize it but it still happens (laughs) it's Mm -hmm. still it still happens and it's it's really hard because then even I think the other thing that's it's frustrating is because in online business there's such a consistent message that we should be happy all the time because we chose this you chose to build your own business you're what you'd rather work you know for yourself what's the quote you'd rather work for yourself 60 hours a week than work for somebody else for 35 Mm -hmm. or whatever i just butchered that quote but it's not true like (laughs) i don't want to work 60 hours a week for anybody um and I guess with the changes that you've made in your business, do you think that you would have made those choices to pivot, to change your business model, to embrace your creative passions, if you hadn't already been mindful of your own cycles and energy? Okay, so I do think me learning about cycle alignment has taught me how to pay attention to my body and what it needs. And it's helped me to honor that. And um, like you said, though, burnout still happens. And although you still experience burnout, you're able to recognize it really quickly and try and do what you can do to be kinder to yourself during that time. And um, I guess, quote unquote, to come back from it or heal from it. Um mm-hmm. And I would agree with that. I think, though, when I first started learning about cycle alignment myself and sharing it with others, I believed and I even 
probably said this on social media a few times that it is a cure for burnout. And it did feel that way for me for a while. I felt like I figured it out, like I'm good. I've set up this business and this routine for myself that allows me this room to be in my ebb and to rest and take care of myself. Um, but the, the burnout that I was healing from the end of last summer, I think was much deeper than like this surface level burnout that maybe we experience like on a daily or weekly or monthly basis. I think that I was experiencing burnout from just years and years and years of neglecting my needs and taking the rest that I needed when I needed and just trying to keep up with society and what capitalism is and the way we're expected to go, go, go. Um, Yeah. All that said, yes, I think knowing about cycle alignment and using it in my life still has played a huge role in getting me to where I am now. Um, However, I think that I would have probably ended up here anyway, somehow, like I was at that point where I don't think I could have continued, even if I didn't know about cycle alignment, it was getting to that point where I was feeling that Mm. burnt out, where I just couldn't do it anymore. Um, so yeah, but knowing about cycle alignment really had helped me to, again, like you said, recognize the burnout and what I was feeling and figure out what it was that I needed and allowed me to be more gentle with myself instead of maybe like terrified and feeling not good enough or like I was doing something wrong. Um, It was a much more gentle transition from having this online business to pursuing art than it maybe it would have been if I didn't know about cycle alignment. And I'm curious whether, like I, I'm thinking about like everyday burnout versus like, I don't know, I don't know how to describe <laughs> it. Not everyday burnout. Um, yeah. And, and, I, and I guess the thing is like, the reality for a lot of us is that we are, still experiencing burnout or residual burnout from just existing in the last couple of years. Mm. Oh, yeah. Especially as empaths. Because at least I can only speak for the country that I live in here, things are, quote, very normal. Numbers are rising again. But hospitals don't have to wear masks now and things like that and at the same time I feel like just transitioning from 2020 into 2021 into 2022 still leaves burnout like the feeling of burnout and I Mm -hmm. and I guess I'm curious to know in what your experience has been, the difference between 
obviously you explained, you know, the difference between everyday burnout and you feeling like you just haven't been taking care of yourself. But what does everyday burnout look like? I'm curious to know what that looks like Mm. in your world. Yeah. And before I go into that, I just, you said something that made me think about these last couple years and how I also think the pandemic has made so many of us slow down and realize these things about ourselves and like how important it is to take care of ourselves. So while, again, I said a minute ago, yes, cyclical living has played a role in where I am now and how I honor my body now and whatnot. But also these last couple years (laughs) have played a huge role. Like Hmm. it's helped me to really shift my priorities and realize like what is important and what is sustainable in that type of situation um, where the whole world shut down. But anyways, so what is everyday burnout for me as a parent uh, with a five-year-old who's home and works from, I work from home. So I'm just automatically the default parent. Um, That's usually where my burnout comes up is parenting and being at home, Mm -hmm. trying to work with a child at home, trying to raise a child, I guess, and all the things that come with that, whether it's bathing her, feeding her, making sure I'm fed, making sure we have things to wear, cleaning, all that. Not that all that falls on my shoulders because it absolutely doesn't. We don't try to have a traditional household here. Um, You know, like old, old timey household, I guess is what I'll say. I feel like it's not (laughs) tradition anymore or shouldn't be. Um, But again, like I said, I am the parent that works at home and I'm home with the child. So I do become the default parent. And that is definitely where burnout comes from for me is just the everyday tasks that you need to do to like get through the day, to have a functioning household and have a, fed and happy child (laughs) yeah I agree I feel I I think my son's at school um so therefore you know for six hours a day my he's not my responsibility but he's still my responsibility but you know yeah he's not here um but again the same as you because I work from home I'm here so therefore mm-hmm. kind of those things like getting just getting him ready for school getting him to school picking him up from school those things typically fall on me and the same we don't have that kind of archaic household roles here um but i i think there's still there's still a difference in the way i process mm-hmm. um parenting you know my the way I feel about being a parent, the way I feel about mothering, the way I respond or the things that I concern myself with or worry about are very, very different to what my husband worries about um, or is concerning himself with because A, we're different people, but also because in society, our perceived roles are very different. Yeah. And 
I think because of that as well, even though we it doesn't all fall on me, absolutely it does not, I still probably, I don't want to use this word, but plague myself with things that I probably don't need to concern myself with, things I don't need to worry about. And so that, I find that is kind of my everyday burnout. You know, just even things like bedtime. Like on the one hand, I don't want to give up putting, you know, being the one that puts my son to bed. But I'm also like, it's been eight years. I've been doing this for eight years. Yeah. <laughs> and like it's it's that and then, you know, then comes that feeling of you're not always gonna be able to do this. And then you're gonna not mm. you're gonna miss the fact that you can do it and it it's that cycle. Uh, I relate to that so much. Like constantly wanting to complain about being home with my child for the last five years, every day, all day. (laughs) But at the same time, Mm -hmm. I wanted this. This is why I work from home. This is why I pursued online business because I wanted this. And I absolutely love it a lot of the times, but I also didn't expect for there to be a pandemic and for her not to be in school or some type of daycare thing by like three or four. Um, Mm. So yeah, she'll be going to school for the first time um, in August, but yeah, I'm with you, like feeling sorry for ourselves and a little bit for me anyway, I feel resentful, um, towards certain people about it and just towards the situation in life itself and society and all that, but also like grateful at the same time. It's, it's a weird thing. (laughs) I think it is a really weird feeling. And I agree. I think, you know, I mean, I know you and I have talked about this before, but when Grayson was born, I had, I was, I live in a country where it's not great, but there are certain things. And I had a year off after he was born, paid. And because I was still employed at the time. And that, but then so much of like, at least I'd probably say the last six months of that year were plagued with what do I do about work? I don't want to go back to work full time. It ended up being my only option. And, or at least it felt like it was my only option. And I started my business kind of full time. He was, he would have been two or about to turn two. Would he? Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying mm-hmm. to work that. He would have been about two. And he still went to like a daycare facility part-time and I felt guilty about that because I was at home and but it all felt everything in that time for a number of reasons just felt so overwhelmingly stressful mm-hmm. because it felt like it didn't matter what I was doing I felt like I wasn't getting it right and that led me to I would say probably a, the biggest burnout I've had and then it, you know and I think I'm still technically recovering from that I think I'm still recovering from that but I do look back and think to myself I'm far happier than I was then but there are still those moments where I do you know feel sorry for myself and I'm like you know what I love working from home and I absolutely created this on purpose but then sometimes I'm just like what would you all do if I wasn't here yeah <laughs> just kind of that's how I feel I'm like seriously um cope is what you would all do (laughs) Mm -hmm. so you know i think there's that as well um 
but yeah i think i was trying to remember where we how we got here um burnout <laughs> yeah i think that that every day it's almost like the routines that we have to participate in yeah versus the routines that perhaps we choose it just kind of occurred to me because i always talk about things in like a have need want scenario and i'm like it's it's mm-hmm. almost like the things that we have to do are the things that can kind of wear on us whereas the things that we yeah. need and want to do are perhaps the things we don't always do because we're burnt out just by doing the things that we have to do in the first place yeah i i agree with that and i think also working from home um i care a lot more about the state of the house like i can't mm. work in like a just chaos everywhere and that tends to happen when you have a child at home playing with toys all day but that's something I care about that maybe my husband does not because he goes and has somewhere he works that he gets to clean and tidy and organize how he wants and I don't have that like this is my space it needs to be a place where I can work and feel not zen but you know like not overwhelmed by my environment So, yeah, I'm with you. I think that sometimes the things we we have to do as people who work at home, um, we care about a lot of things that maybe our partners who don't work at home don't. (laughs) And like you said, we're different people anyway. So even if he did work at home, maybe he wouldn't care about these things. But anyways, (laughs) It's tough. I, no, I agree. I, I think that it. I think just working from home, general. I, I, I think it opens up a lot of other uh, experiences that you don't have. You know, if you go out somewhere else, either you are potentially in control of that environment, and it's a very small environment, and it's not the environment you live in twenty four seven as well. So I think you know you go to make a drink. And you walk into the kitchen and there's something there, you kind of inevitably think, oh, I'll tidy that up. Perhaps that wouldn't mm-hmm. happen if you're going out of the office, you know, going out away from home. Um, either because collectively there are people doing it, perhaps it's someone else that does it, you know, you're responsible for your own things. But also you just you leave it behind at the end of the day. You yeah. you, you you close the door and you go and that you don't have to think about it till the next day, essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm with you on that mm-hmm. one. Okay, so talking about home life and kind of our personal lives and things like that and how this is all experienced, how these experiences kind of work together, I'm curious to know how pursuing your creative passions and starting your art shop has actually impacted the other areas of your life. Mm. Well, kind of going back to what we were talking a bit about earlier on about not having such a rigid schedule or routine I feel like creating art has made me a less rigid person (laughs) and Mm. um I don't know I just feel maybe this is just the season again we're in summer so I'm a little bit more relaxed and casual um we'll see how I feel like come fall um but so far this year even like looking back to spring which is when I would normally be like very in a routine and planning mode. Um, But anyway, so I have not really been feeling like that since starting to pursue art. I've been feeling a lot 
more casual and relaxed and laid back and taking, allowing myself to take things day by day. Um, I know I've talked to you a bit about, you know, spending a whole year really focusing on the moon and attending um, new and full moon workshops and rituals and all that as well as tracking my menstrual cycle and paying attention to that. But since pursuing art and in particular, I would say the beginning of this year, I haven't been following it all so closely. I've been trusting myself Mm -hmm. more um, and planning less though as well. Um, And just again, taking it day by day, creating art when I can Again, I don't have a ton of time to do that with a kid at home, but doing it when I can, but also when I feel like it, like if I have an available night to do it and I'm not feeling it, then I don't always do it. I'll pick up a book instead or watch TV or whatever I feel like doing. So that's, that's been nice to feel like it's safe to trust myself and to not have this big grand plan for myself that's. If I don't do this, this, and that, then I'm not going to hit this goal. Um, I've been less worried about all that. Like I said earlier, I want to attend a market sometime, a local market soon. And I thought originally that I would do that this summer, but I'm not, I don't think I'm going to be able to do that. And instead of beating myself up over it and being like, oh, I didn't get this done and this done, I don't have enough inventory. Maybe I should push myself and get it done so I can reach that goal. But I'm more like, eh, I'll do it in the fall or I'll do it when I can. Like just worrying less about that sort of thing. Um, but also I will say having my other stream of income, aka my main stream of income, which is being a virtual assistant, allows me to be more casual and relaxed. Like I'm not going to hide the fact that that is there and that is where I get most of my income from. If all I had was art, then obviously I don't think I would be as casual or relaxed about what I'm creating. Um, and I don't know, part of me like wants to keep it that way. Cause like, I, yes, I want to be a full-time artist and I think that would be the ultimate dream and goal, but I'm also a little bit scared of what that would look like and how that would change things. Yeah, no, I agree. I think that I, I look at a cup, you know, if I follow a couple of artists on YouTube that I now watch their, you know, studio vlogs and, and things like that. And I think to myself on the one hand, I'm like, that seems so great. And then I'm like, would I really feel like I could get up every day and do that? And I think it's, I think also part of me, um, it still feels so new. You know, I've always been creative. I've always been interested in art. I studied at school, but the idea that I could actually do this full time and that people would buy my work, that wasn't something I even considered until the end of last year. And... I think I'm still not used to that yet. I think I'm still getting used to that transition. And so because of that, the thought that that would be my only source of income at some point is quite overwhelming. Um, 
and I and I worry that how will I feel about it if it's the only thing I do? Yeah. Um, that that kind of yeah, that worries me mm-hmm. a little bit. I'm with you. And I think again, kind of going back to when I first started pursuing art and like that defining moment. I had told myself, like, I, as I was packing my first orders for my first, per- like, buyers or whatever you call them, <laughs> purchasers on Etsy, um, I was packing orders. I'm like, this is awesome. Like, I love doing this with my hands and sending out these packages to these awesome people who have literally paid me money for my art. Um, that was such a cool experience. And I at that time, and I, I still do believe that I think that it would be really cool to be a full-time artist and be so busy packaging orders. But yet I see lots of full-time artists complain about how many orders I have to package yes. up. And I'm sure I would be tired of it by like after, I don't know, a week. <laughs> but um, <laughs> It's just so different from anything that's I've done before, like online, like you were saying earlier, like, Hey, I'm have my calendar open for this amount of time to have a session with me. Yada, yada, yada. That's so much different, a different type of business than a physical product-based business. So I don't know. There's things about being a full-time artist that really excite me. And I think that I would, enjoy and it would be such a nice change of pace but at the same time how would it change my process and how I feel about art if I'm if that's like my only thing (laughs) that is making me income will it put that added pressure on that I don't really have right now yeah I I, and I think it's similar to you. It's funny again, how similar this is, but one of the things last year when I created planning by the moon, I was so excited to pack those orders. And I, and I love putting in that effort and attention to detail. But again, it's, it's a thing. Oh, there's going to come a point at which you can't do that. You, you can't, you know, if you're only person packing orders, you can't do those things in the same mm-hmm. way. You can still make, things personal and people can still get to know you but I think it also goes back to I mean at least for me one of my biggest values is connection and community and so because of that I want people to I want to get to know people and I want people to know who I am you know I'm not I'm not just a post on Instagram but I want them to understand um you know, where this work came from and where the idea came from and why I've created it. And obviously content plays a big part in that. But at the same time, there is inevitably going to be that point at which you can't decorate, you know, envelopes in the same way and things like that. Mm-hmm. And I and I actually follow um, and have bought from a shop owner. Um, she lives in Ireland and she makes so much effort with her packages and every time I receive one I'm like oh this is so adorable like she's put so much washi tape on and stickers and like so much thought goes into all of it and I'm like she must be exhausted all the time (laughs) because it's just her and she has a successful shop and it's her only income but I'm just like I love this but I need that 
balance of mm-hmm. doing these kind of almost like admin parts of my business as well as being able to take that time that I need to rest. Yeah. It's a whole new like learning curve. Yes. So speaking of content, <laughs> that was a great segue <laughs> on my part. Um, speaking of content, we're going to talk about TikTok um, because you and I frequently talk about TikTok. You have grown on TikTok very quickly. Um, and I think it would be really great to have a conversation about it because so many people have said to me recently, okay, like a few, not so many, <laughs> a few people <laughs> have said to me recently how still feeling that disconnection of Instagram and they're like, what do you do on TikTok? I'm like, have fun. Um, so last year, last summer, I joined TikTok because my husband was driving me crazy about it. (laughs) And I started to follow. So I was like completely new. I didn't follow anybody, like nothing. And I started following a lot of creative focused accounts. And you and I have discussed how, I guess, easy it feels like it's been to, I'm going to use this word, manipulate the algorithm to show us the things that we are actually interested in. I still see some things, you know, there's horrible stuff on TikTok. Absolutely horrible things on every social media platform. And sometimes I see things that I'm like, this is not content I want to see. It's usually weight loss related. And I'm like, that's not what I'm here for. Mm -hmm. But a majority of the time, I see content that I want to see, which is how the algorithm I think is supposed to work. Um, I'm sure that's what they've said. So it's funny because this is something that literally lit a fire under my ass to pursue my creativity because I ended up on this platform that I had no experience with. And I think I started to see some art videos and some unboxing videos and like a lot of ASMR and journaling. And because I liked those videos, genuinely liked them, I started to see more and more. And that was just how my feed was created. And then since then, there's been a lot of, you know, fat content creators and um, some fashion stuff and a lot of more like feminism and conversations around women's rights and trans rights and LGBTQ rights and things that I'm really passionate about and things that I advocate for. And I think it's really, really interesting when I go on there (laughs) compared to going on a different platform. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think at the same time, this platform has, for me personally, allowed me to kind of show these products I've created and create content for my video. And I'm, I'm, I haven't posted on there for like a week. I'm not using it consistently. But what are you loving about TikTok? Hmm. You've covered so much of what I love about TikTok already. (laughs) Um, Okay. So Instagram was always my jam. Like that's where I was. Um, I think it was last, last summer, maybe, maybe, I don't know when exactly, but I started getting rid of other social media. So I was done with Twitter. I deleted my Facebook. um, And then it was just like Instagram what I use but also I dabbled a little bit in TikTok aka I just scrolled the feed um 
because like you, my husband was enjoying it and was like, you know, let's watch some TikToks together. And there's a lot of funny stuff on there. Like my TikTok feed looks totally different from my husband's. His is funny stuff. (laughs) And mine's a lot like yours, like artists, ASMR, um, body positivity and women's rights, like parenthood, like all of that stuff. Um, but yes, I, that's what I've noticed first was how you can manipulate the algorithm on TikTok versus Instagram. Um, Instagram was made for cis white women and it shows, (laughs) it definitely shows like Mm. that is, and I follow, I mean, I don't know, but I feel like I just am drained by Instagram these days. They're they're constantly changing things and going further and further away from what Instagram used to be, um, which felt mm-hmm. more of like a mini blog, I guess, where you post a photo and a little caption and the photo was mm-hmm. genuine and real. And I mean, yeah, you put like a filter on it or whatever, but um, now you've got graphics and video and um that's all fun and stuff maybe for some people but I'm just like why try and have the same type of platform as somebody else like I want a different experience on Instagram and I'm not getting it now it's like they're trying to be TikTok or somebody else I don't know but it's (laughs) not working for me (laughs) um but again like you said the algorithm on TikTok is just it it's just I am very happy that I've been able to create a feed that I can scroll and not be triggered. <laughs> like to yeah, genuinely love the content I'm seeing um, and to relate to it. Um, and it happens so fast. Um, and I just feel like also as far as somebody who creates on TikTok, what I love about it is that I can create content on there and it doesn't die the next day. Like it can live on Mm -hmm. for weeks, months, maybe even, I'm not sure yet. Um, Whereas on Instagram, you post it one day and if it doesn't get any traction within minutes, pretty much, then it's, it's done. Like you might as well delete it. (laughs) Um, Yeah. But that's that. I don't get that from TikTok. Um, the community over there feels really supportive. Not that I haven't felt that on Instagram ever. I certainly have, but um, I don't know. I just, I feel like content does really well over there, especially art content and what we're doing, but really anything. I think, I think that there are so many sides of TikTok that I don't even know about yet. Um, mm-hmm. I think no matter what you're doing or creating, if video content is your thing like you would thrive on tiktok um anyways i could go on and on about this but basically to sum it all up what you said the algorithm is fantastic and i get to put effort into creating content there that doesn't die the next day like (laughs) it shows it lives on and it reaches other people for days and days and days a lot of the time not all the time but most of the time Okay, so I'm I'm curious and I'm interested because I agree. Um, for transparency, at the time of recording this, I am I am 
still very much trying to grow on TikTok. Um, and I've had some posts that have done really well or some videos that have done really well for like my platform. Um, you know, they're not quote viral, but they're viral for me. Um, but what's really interesting, you were saying about how the kind of content lives on versus on Instagram. It's like you post on the grid and that's it. And that had me thinking because it feels like perhaps tick. So you also mentioned the fact that Instagram is like trying to be TikTok in terms of like bringing <laughs> reels on and things like that. I absolutely agree with that. Um, personally, Instagram still frustrates me. I think it frustrates me not just because of how it behaves. It frustrates me because I feel so dependent on it still. Yeah. And because I, I want to connect with the people that I've spent so much time getting to know and a community that I've spent so long building. And, but it's that there is definitely a difference in terms of if I put something on, on TikTok and it doesn't really do what I was expecting or it doesn't just, it just doesn't do anything. I'm like, all right. I I kind of, I'm more accepting of the fact that it doesn't do anything because I have no idea what to expect. Um, Because it's still so new for me as a, as a creator, but it made me think like TikTok is almost like this perfect. Okay. I'm not going to say perfect, but it's, Mm -hmm. it's, it's like this combination of Pinterest and Instagram in terms of Pinterest being a search engine, a search engine also trying to be TikTok though um, at the moment. (laughs) And I feel like on TikTok, you do search for things like, I don't know, for example, I wanted to show Grace and the the recent trend, the tortilla game thing. (laughs) And I just had to search tortilla challenge and, you know, loads of videos came out and I just, you know, looked for the first few and showed him. And so you do use TikTok in that search engine way. Obviously, you're looking for either specific trends or people or maybe sounds. Like you're looking for something specific. You're probably not looking for absolutely anything. But then the algorithm plays a part in that because it shows you things that perhaps you've not seen before. And I've noticed mm-hmm. that more recently on my For You page, because I wasn't using my For You page. We had this conversation recently. I was like, I wasn't using that. I was just looking at who I followed. And I noticed over the last like, week or so, there was a couple of times where I'd see somebody on my For You page and perhaps I liked their video, but I didn't follow them. And then I'd see it again. And I'd be like, I recognize this person. <laughs> and then I'd look at their account. I'm like, oh, I've already seen some of their videos. And it was, it was really interesting the way it presented me with more of their content. And, you know, either I'm going to make the decision, I'm still not going to follow you. Or actually, now I've actually looked a bit deeper into your content, I'm now going to follow you. And so it's kind of interesting from, you know, I can only say from my, my experience as being a consumer on that platform, how I've consumed content on there as well. But I've made some connections with some great small businesses. I've, you know, book talk, apparently. I posted mm-hmm. a little bit about books. They were like not the greatest videos, but people liked that. It's, there is so much stuff on there. And I do feel like for me personally at the moment with TikTok, I've said this to you as well. I kind of approach it with, I don't have a community yet. So I can do what I like. 
Mm. If I want to post about books one day and then the next day I'm posting about the patriarchy and business and then the next day I'm posting about a sticker, like that's what I do. Because I think also the interesting thing is we don't, we typically don't go to a feed. Yeah. We go to a feed perhaps to view more of their content, but we're more likely to just see a video. It's going to be presented to us for whatever reason, whatever the algorithm is doing. And so it doesn't really matter if you are sharing different parts of yourself, especially if you're a multi-passionate person and have 12,000 different things going on in your business like I do. I very much want to be able to share all those pieces, but on Instagram, I feel still like I can't always do that. Mm, yeah. And, you know, TikTok is such a great place to be discovered because of the For You page. Like mm. on Instagram, I feel like you're just scrolling through everyone you already follow, unless there's a promoted post. Um, but like you said, like you may be on your For You page and like somebody's TikTok, but don't follow them. And then they show back up. Like, even if you don't resonate enough or like them enough to follow right away, like they're going to probably come back up and you're going to learn about this person more and more and start to see maybe like how, how much you do enjoy their content and choose to follow them then, you know, it's just, I, I love how you can be so easily discovered on there. Um, and yeah, I don't know where else I was going with that, but <laughs> Basically, I'm 100% in agreement with you. (laughs) We're very much in agreement with each other. I agree because, I mean, I started posting about my stickers when I first released them. And I haven't even posted that again. Like, there is that part of me. It's like, you really need to sort this shit out, Melanie. Um, But at the time, I had not posted that much about my stickers. And I made a sale on TikTok. Let me tell you, I sent Ali a very excited message (laughs) because it was like a few days in and I was like, who is this person? Because I expected Mm -hmm. the people to, who were going to buy would be people I knew, which, you know, was for the most part people that I knew. And so to have this person and then to realize that this person had not just commented on my video, but because I screwed up and didn't put the link in my bio to buy the stickers, And this person had gone off and found the link and had made this sale. And I think that's what's really great as well, is it is such a great platform. Even if, you know, my experience so far, if you don't have this like massive audience and you don't have these videos that go really viral, you can still make these kind of connections. And they might look different to what we're used to on Instagram, because I think on Instagram, we're so used to the DMs, you know, that became, that has become that trend of, you know, it all happens in the DMs. And that hasn't been my experience on TikTok at all. Um, You know, conversations happen in the comments from what I can see so far. And people are so Mm. willing to give, you know, somebody commented on one of my book videos the other day and was like, this is the person that got me into thriller books and I'll send you some books if you'd like. And I was like, okay. You know, it's, it's those kinds of things that are very different to what we see on Instagram, and I think you're right, we see a lot of what we who we already follow and they keep changing things. So I just keep seeing loads of posts that are connected to hashtags that I like, but they're always posts that don't interest me. Yeah. And I think that's because of Instagram being more established. There's so many videos under these hashtags that are not relevant. Mm. Or they're not how I'm perceiving that hashtag to be used in my content like somebody's using it in a totally different way 
And so I'm seeing content I don't really care about. Yeah. I think it's, it's yeah, it's just really interesting to see where all of this is going. Mm-hmm. And I think because also on TikTok, you don't have the pressure to write like a massive caption as well. That right. feels quite nice. It is so nice. Like written content. Um, I think that w- was another thing that led to my deep burnout because it takes so much energy for me to write content, emails, Instagram posts, for a while, blog posts, like it just takes for me so much time. And I never thought that I'd be somebody who would enjoy making video content. Like that sounds time consuming and exhausting as well. In some ways it is. And, you know, it's not always easy necessarily, but it feels good to be able to create like a five second video and just let it go and not have to write this big lengthy thing. I don't know. It's different, but um, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm into it so far. (laughs) I think also with um, the difference in the, in the video, I've had experience with video feels really hard and, and it feels like it's very time consuming. And I think it comes when you're trying to make either like, you know, for example, the YouTube video, there's editing involved. And if you're somebody that enjoys the editing process, great. You do you. I do not enjoy that process. Um, And I think on TikTok, because there are those trends, which of course you absolutely don't have to do and they're not all dancing, but because like the voiceover trends, for example, they can really help to show you as a creator in the sense of either your values or, you know, you might choose to do a user sound in a very different way or with different context, but because Mm -hmm. the sound is popular, it's being shown. Yeah. And that takes off a lot of the pressure as long as you're, you know, as long as you feel comfortable doing a voiceover and spending that time doing that, then that means that you don't have to come up with something entirely new. I I don't know. Like perhaps that doesn't sound fun to some people, but I'm like, I've spent six years creating content. that's like new. It's quite nice to use sounds. Oh, I (laughs) agree. Yeah, and I mean, I think for the longest time when I thought of TikTok, I thought, okay, like, that seems so time-consuming. All the edits, learning these sounds and, like, lip-syncing them or whatever you're doing, (laughs) trying to do all these trendy things. Like, it's a lot to keep up with. That sounds exhausting. But I'm with you, like, Mm -hmm. the sounds help so much. You don't have to think of something new constantly. Um, you can save a sound and go record it real quick and add your little spin to it or not, whatever. (laughs) And those videos do really well. And it's, it's fun to see others using that sound and how they chose to use it. Um, but also like, you don't have to use the trends. I follow a few people who just record like a quick few second clip of, how they're doing that morning. Like, you know what I mean? Like it's can be whatever you want. You can put as little or as much effort into it as you want. And I still feel like there's somebody on there who will enjoy it. It'll land on their feed and they'll resonate with it and enjoy it enough to follow you or like it. So with your content, I know obviously you enjoy kind of using a mixture of different, um, content 
what's the word mediums but are you being strategic at all on that um sometimes yes and no I think that very early on I noticed that again the trending sounds is great um especially if you can use that sound and post it like right in the sweet spot like when it's really trending um especially within like your little community on there like the art community is what I'm feel like I'm popping a lot a lot up in is that corner of TikTok um Mm -hmm. so trending sounds for other artists those do really well for me like um for example I feel like People, again, going back to how supportive a lot of people are on there and how it feels like there's less pressure there and it feels safe to ask for support there. Like those, some of those sounds mm-hmm. would be like, hey, I'm a small artist, like follow me or if you like my work, yada, yada, yada. And I'm like, there's so many of those sounds. And anytime I use one of those, people are so nice and will save it. They'll like it. They'll share it. They'll follow me. And I just think that's awesome. So um, sounds where you're literally asking for support (laughs) do well um, for me. And I think for a lot of other creators and artists on there. Um, Posting on the weekends is something I tend to do more because I think a lot of people are scrolling TikTok on the weekend versus during the week. Um, we do that here. Like my husband and I will be on TikTok more often on the weekend. So that's something I've noticed as well. But I mean, other than that, no, I'm not really following any sort of strategy. Um, if I see a sound or a trend that I like, then I'll try and make note of it, save the sound and film it when I can, as soon as I can. But, um, other than that, that is about it. <laughs> um, just kind of doing what feels good on there and having fun. All right. So I want to ask a question because I'm going to figure out otherwise. <laughs> In terms of you said you post on the weekend. Um, mm-hmm. So are you, and I, I don't know the answer to this. I'm just curious. Are you posting multiple videos on like a weekend or are you posting once on Saturday, once on Sunday. Like, I mean, obviously the weekend could technically start on Friday, but like, because I, I, I'm not being strategic. I'm having <laughs> fun with it. And I feel like that allows it to be playful and allows me to put less pressure on myself and to see what potentially mm-hmm. works. But at the same time, um, the one thing I have tried to do, except haven't done it in the last week, is to post every day. Like to post something every day. And because I have so many audios saved, it yeah. doesn't feel particularly difficult. I think, as you said, like, yes, video can be a little bit more time consuming if you want to video a process or, you know, if I want to put something together of my stickers or something like that, that can be a little bit more time consuming. But I'm just curious to know whether you're posting like multiple videos on a weekend and nothing Monday to Friday. What does that look like? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, again, I'm, I'm not following it like super rigidly. Like um, I tend to try and record a few videos during the week, like maybe like Wednesday 
or Thursday, sometime in the middle of the week. And then I'll just save those. And then probably around Thursday, I might start posting. It just depends on how many I have. Or sometimes I get afraid that a trend won't be or a sound won't be trending anymore. So then I'll post like another one after the other. (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I don't really have any routine there. I'm I'm still very much learning it and kind of just doing whatever I feel like. Um, But I have definitely noticed posting between like Thursday and Sunday is when. I feel like my videos do their best. If I post earlier on in the week, like a Monday or Tuesday, I'm not getting as many views. Um, You mentioned like type of video, like process and stuff like that. Those do really well for me. So um, I will just record a time lapse. Those are really easy to do. Very low effort Mm -hmm. for me. Um, and it doesn't take a lot of energy for me to put, set my camera up and record a time lapse of me painting and then just post it on TikTok. So that's always nice um, sharing those because they do well in their low effort. Um, yeah, anyway, so that's that's kind of my routine right now. I sometimes will post in the middle of the week if I feel like it or if I have a, a video that has a trending sound that I feel um, I need to hop on quick then I'll post it. But um, mainly I'm batch recording or creating videos and then sharing them Thursday through Sunday. Yeah. And I just want to say, if anybody listening who's not on TikTok yeah. and is is not a creative person as or has a creative, it doesn't have a creative business and is thinking, but how would I do like a, a work in progress or something like that? Like there's plenty of like day in the life videos. And this is the thing for me, is again as you said it's really simple to do a time lapse i can't tell you how many times i forget though and it and this mm-hmm. is this is the i think i have so many different plates that i'm spinning that i then go i should have recorded that <laughs> well the other day i recorded one um because obviously it's a little bit different i'm using an ipad so i'm filming myself using the ipad and i watched the video back and for some reason my phone decided it was just going to slowly move across until you couldn't see the ipad anymore and i didn't know and i was like no um but yeah there are like so many different ways you can share that and i follow somebody who just she's a business coach and she just shares tips all the time like most of the time um so it doesn't have to look you know the way ali and i are doing it is right for potentially our audience and our businesses i've also done plenty of talking head videos where i'm just talking about things that piss me off about the online space Mm-hmm. Um, and repurposing also just here I've repurposed a lot of my Instagram stuff as videos yeah. and some of them have done quite well and also like repurposing is awesome I know you love repurposing and I don't think any of us do it enough <laughs> like I really don't no, and on TikTok do you may be wondering like well how do you repurpose on TikTok you could literally post the exact same TikTok if you want or you can take video from the clips you used in a previous TikTok and just put a different sound with it or whatever. It's it's somebody new is going to see it, you know, somebody that hasn't seen it the first time will see it. So repurposing always, you can do that with anything anywhere. (laughs) Yeah. And one of the things I, I did more recently was I took some posts that again, going back to 2020, which was like what we talked about at the beginning of this episode, 
um, I had some content that did so well on Instagram. And I was like, you know what, be interesting to see if it does just as well to a completely different audience on a completely different platform as a video. Um, And these posts were a lot of carousels because that was when carousels first became really popular. And I, I cut it down from like five things to three tips. And I talked about those and it's one of my most popular videos on my feed. And I kind of accidentally on purpose started the, the series of correlations between business coaching and diet culture, which I just kind of (laughs) did for fun. And again, like it, it didn't really, it did well for me. Like it did well for what I have. So it's, it's fun to just, again, like just kind of have fun with it and see what works and what reaches people. Yep. So, okay, we've covered a lot in today's episode, (laughs) but that was the point. I warned you all at the beginning that this conversation was going to go into lots of different directions, and I hope that you've enjoyed it just as much as I have. So, Ali, thank you for joining me today. Thank you for sharing with us, and we are going to wrap things up now. (laughs) But I do have one last question for you. What does being an entrepreneurial outlaw look and feel like for you during this season of your business? Hmm. Um, and I feel like this has been a theme, just again, taking things day by day and really paying attention to how I feel in this new journey. Um, and figuring out my new process and routine for this new type of business and creating harmony while I'm doing that and figuring out what harmony actually means to me and looks like in my life now that I'm pursuing all these new things. Um, And trying to do that with not as much pressure as I had on myself before. Mm. I like that. I love the use of the word harmony. I always think that's such a beautiful, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) That's my word of the year is what I was going to say. And when I picked the word harmony as my word of the year, I had this like envision, like this vision of me being an artist and like being at these local markets and my husband and my daughter being there, like having fun and helping me and just how I felt supported and in harmony with those around me um, and accepted their support and their love and encouragement and just being happy. And I don't know, like that's, that's what I'm trying to create. Like that's what it being an entrepreneur outlaw for me right now means is just kind of taking it day by day and seeing how it goes and trying to trust the process, I suppose. Yeah. I love that. Thank you for sharing. Thank you yeah. for sharing everything that you shared with us today. Thank you for having so, me. <laughs> so what is your TikTok handle and where can everybody see your art, learn more about your Patreon? Where can everybody find you? Yeah. So uh, everywhere online, I am Allie Brown Cranmer Art. Um. I'm sure Melanie will put like all the spelling somewhere because I I have a bit of a tricky last name. 
Um, yeah, on TikTok, that's where you can find me. My Etsy shop is named the same thing. Um, Patreon as well. We will link to everything over in the show notes. So all of the links to Ali's social media and also her work will be over there. And you can also find a full transcript of today's episode at melanienights.com forward slash podcast. Thank you so much for coming on, Ali. I really appreciate you taking the time to sit down with me today. Thank you. This was an awesome conversation. Oh, that was such a great conversation. It's always so much fun to have these conversations with my friends. And what I really love is when I'm chatting with, you know, Ali or another friend who also has a business, during those conversations, so often we can have kind of personal aha moments, you know, these kind of breakthroughs. He's like, oh, that's what I need to be doing. Or, oh, I should journal about that. And of course, some of them are private and personal and they're things that we just take to our journals or we take wherever we go and we deal with those or process them on our own. But so many of these conversations are really valuable, so incredible. So to be able to sit down I'm so grateful for Ali coming on again and being able to sit down for this longer episode, pressing record and welcoming you into this conversation because the reality is that so many people can gain from this. And I think being able to cover so much, we were able to really discuss so many areas of our businesses and our experiences. And I hope that we're able to really do that with transparency and honesty for you guys. Um, obviously since recording this episode, I made the decision to leave Instagram and it has only been a couple of weeks. It's very early days, but I am really noticing how my creative energy has shifted. And I'm definitely going to be doing an episode later on in this season, looking at what has changed or if anything, (laughs) but yeah, I just, I'm so glad that you got to listen into this. So thank you so much for joining me again this week. And thank you for listening in. Um, next week's episode, I am going to be talking about self-trust. So one of the biggest ways we get burnt out is kind of spinning our wheels and getting stuck in decision-making as entrepreneurs. There are so many decisions to make. And because unfortunately our culture has taught, especially women, to not trust ourselves. We are not supposed to trust ourselves. We are constantly told that we don't know what's right for ourselves. And because that has been kind of beaten to us, we struggle to make decisions in business. We can spend so much time second guessing ourselves and overthinking. And so we're going to talk about this next week. We're going to get into kind of what it looks like to listen to your intuition, what that feels like. Um, Of course, I'm going to talk about some of the ways in which we have been blocked and kind of um, some of the ways in which society, hustle culture, diet culture, all of these different things are rooted in that patriarchal conditioning that tells us not to listen to ourselves. So we're going to get into all of that next week. So I hope you will join me for episode 85. Um, thank you again to Ali. Thank you to you. Um, make sure you check the show notes, for all of the links on how to join us over on Patreon. If you have missed out on that, make sure you come over and have a look and learn more about what the Outlaw Collective is, how you can join us 
and get in with all of those Patreon episodes. Um, So I will see you next week for another episode and I hope you have a wonderful week ahead. Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode of Entrepreneurial Outlaws. If you see yourself as an entrepreneurial outlaw and enjoyed this episode, would you do me a small favor? It would mean the absolute world to me if you could take a moment to subscribe to the show and leave a rating and review. By leaving a review, you are helping me to grow our outlaw community and together we can show other entrepreneurs that breaking the rules can actually be good for business. Don't forget, you can find the show notes for today's episode along with any of the links that I mentioned on my website at melanienights.com forward slash podcast. And if we're not already virtual besties, you can come and hang out with me on Instagram. I am the one with the country music playing, the lukewarm coffee in my hand, and I'm dishing the dough on how we can make entrepreneurship more inclusive and transparent. Plus, I'll probably send you some fun gifts. So until next time, outlaws. Outlaws.